Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Hi, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Yay. I have a water bottle. Yeah. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And this is our podcast. It was once upon a time a podcast about me, Kimmy, going on 51 first dates, but then I met a met a pretty cool dude. So now, Liza, what do you think this podcast is about? Now it's a podcast about dating in general, and especially early stages of dating, I would say. Like mm-hmm. first dates, but like early dating. Um, yeah. And if you've been listening in the last couple of weeks, you've met our new dater, who is Kimmy's brother, who <laughs> is Kenny, who we love who is an angel, gem, baby, doll. He'll be back on next week to recap his date three. He will. We we'll may. be announcing our new dater soon. Ooh, yeah. new dater, tease. Um, so if you're just joining us, um, thank you so much. I hope you found it in a cool way from a cool friend of yours or someone who like was, you know, or maybe just someone on the street told you to listen to this. I don't know, but thank you for joining us. And if you want to go back to the beginning and like hear our, our – neurotic journey to this moment you totally can um and today we're actually though we're just talking to some really fabulous guests uh may wilkerson and Alyssa lim paris they're two comedians actors like brilliantly funny internet personalities and they co-host a podcast called crazy semicolon in bed uh it's a ucb comedy podcast and it's really good and they talk a lot about mental health and in all of the ways it impacts your life, but they're also like really fucking funny. So we had this great chat. It's going to come up soon. So if you're new, you can you can keep listening without like spoiling anything. And if you're if you're coming back and you're a regular listener, thank you so much. We love you. We love um, you so much. We're so happy to have you. We're so happy to hear from you. We love the emails we've been getting, uh, the messages we've been getting, the posts in our secret Facebook group. Um, so now is the time we tell you to join the secret Facebook group and email us your worst first dates at 51firstdatespod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at 51firstdatespod and message us and talk to us. We love hearing from you guys so much. We do. And we, we really want you to also rate, subscribe, review. Um, you know, I've just fully committed to saying them in that order. I think you say like rate, review, subscribe, whatever. But – and I, I am trying to think of what we said last week. We said like, oh, your favorite opening line. Or you can say like send us the like the grossest thing someone's ever said to you on a dating app. Like put it in the review. You know, like give us some stars and then put that in and we'll read the good ones on the podcast. Yes. The good, and gross, terrible ones. Or, or yeah. So totally. your, your best opening line or like the like weirdest line or grossest line you've gotten from someone on – um on those dating apps. Totally. And then we'll read them on the pod because we don't care what you write. I mean it's really actually – makes my entire day when we get lovey-dovey messages. Um, thank you to listeners who are like, Kimmy peer pressured me enough and now I did it. Um, we just, we really, really appreciate all of the love. It helps, it helps us grow working on new things. Yeah. It helps us get guests like the ones you're about to hear from, which makes me really happy because I really loved our conversation. We talked a lot about like, you know, men and the hashtag patriarchy, but also like how we can make it all better together or try to and also mental health and just stuff that's obviously really top of mind for everybody in the world right now and we get cool guests like that like when we invite people on our podcast the first thing they do to see if we're like serious is go to itunes and see how many reviews we have like it makes a really really big difference so that's why we keep asking because we want to keep making like content that you guys really like that's really cool with like really cool people and authors and smart funny great wonderful beautiful weirdos yeah, and May and Alyssa are deeply funny. Like, they just, like, made me, you know, want to leave my boring life and become funnier just, like, talking with them. Fully. Just, like, really funny. You're going to love this conversation. You're going to love them, want to follow them, uh, want to listen to their podcast. Uh, so we we just – we are going to be back next week with Kenny, um, the second dater about his date number three. Oof. And we'll take more emails, so keep sending in your worst first dates. We'll do more, like, reading emails next week. But this is just a really great conversation. Um, if you ever have struggled with mental health stuff, uh, which I think a lot of us have, and kind of how to deal with that in dating, we talk about that. And I think I think it's helpful. It's comforting to me. Totally. Um, and, yeah, we love you. And if you ever – I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> well, I think if you ever, like, need help, help. Too. This is this is just 
for a conversation about things. But like things are serious in the world of mental illness and mental health and you should take care of yourselves um, in all the ways. Yeah. And therapy. even if you're not struggling with doctors. serious mental health things, I think that you should go to therapy because it changed my whole life and I won't ever stop talking about it. Yeah. I've been so stressed out lately. I deeply need to go uh, back to therapy. I am it's- getting on better insurance in exactly like 21 days and I am the first day on my new insurance going back to therapy. <laughs> like I cannot yeah. wait. Mm-hmm. It's real. I miss it. Oh, wow. Well, I sound quite quite bummed out. Um, <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> but it I doesn't think matter if you're bummed or happy or whatever. It's just like it's the best. Feelings um, are feelings. Everything is fine. The sun is shining outside my window. It is. So, you know – um that's a very conversation (laughs) that's a very like california point of view everything's fine (laughs) like the sun's out (laughs) sun's out no earthquakes um yeah this was fun because even though um Alyssa and may are in la as am i lies in new york we we did it we had to record just like based on schedules um mostly my my schedule is a big big butthole these days big butt big butthole and there's nothing wrong with big buttholes but when your schedule resembles one it sucks so um yeah this is gonna be a recording but we think you'll love it i've said that 10 times now shall we just like hit do play it. on the thing let's do on it we love thing. you guys so much we love you and so here motherfucking is our much. interview with may and Lisa. Yay, thank you so much for joining us. We have Mae Wilkerson and Alyssa Lynn Paris here. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Thank you. We're so happy to have them. They are uh, comedians and co-hosts of the podcast Crazy in Bed, which is a UCB podcast. And uh, they're just like two cool ladies who are hanging out with their beautiful dog right now. I Yes, I would like to say it's Mae's dog, but I... You'd like to say it's our dog. I'd like to say but it's, it's our dog. It makes me feel very good to hear it's, that. Alyssa's like, like, it takes a village to raise a small dog. Yes. So. Yeah. You're like a stepmom. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. An auntie. An auntie. You're the cool aunt. She's definitely that's, the cool aunt. That's the best step thing to be, fun. anyway. The idea that I'm slowly going to try to steal the dog. <laughs> I do. Yeah. It's kind of more fun. Creates a little competition in our yeah, friendship. Yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah. Tune totally. into our podcast to hear us fight over my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, I always think dogs are the most important thing to talk about because I'm, you know, a sad no, 30-year-old we dog lady. That. <laughs> it's so fun. Like, once you have a dog, you don't have to worry about yourself anymore. It's just like, let's just talk about let's this talk dog. About this dog. <laughs> totally. It's so easy. And the, it, I mean, the world is not a fun place right now. So to be able to talk about a dog, I oh. feel like, is a gift to everyone. Yeah. I hope. Totally. I, and to talk to a dog. Like I talk, I work from home most of the time and I talk to my dog literally all day in an uninterrupted stream and it's objectively insane, but I do think it makes me feel better from about like working from home. Definitely. Oh my God, for sure. I feel, I do exactly the same thing and I think she she seems okay with it. (laughs) Yeah, she gets it. Yeah, she gets it. Um, She loves it. So as we said in our intro, we're going to talk a little bit today about like mental health and dating and all that fun stuff, but- yeah, everyone should go listen to Crazy in Bed, um, May and Alyssa's podcast with UCB because it deals with all that stuff probably better than Liza and I could ever speak to. But yeah, um, it's really yes, it's famously not a sex podcast, even though it sounds like a sex podcast. It's much less fun than that. Yeah, yeah. We like to disappoint people. Like we get their hopes up with the premise and then we're like, no, no, no. We're here to talk about our eating disorder. Yes. We get a lot of creepy guys who are like, yeah, Ooh, crazy, crazy in bed. Ooh. What? They're worried about their bodies. <laughs> I know, yeah. I've been I mean, therapy since I was 19. They're like fast forwarding me up. Yeah, waiting for the Where's the, the pictures? Pr- Where's the picture? Where's the nudity? <laughs> Those are Good. Fuck yeah. Right? Like, get them in the door. They need to be hearing about this stuff. They're obviously not seeking out on their own. So I You're think so it's good. You're so right. We're doing them a favor. <laughs> That's, That's true. Right. We must trick the people into caring about mental health. We must. We must. Totally. It's our duty. It's the yeah. equivalent of, like, putting spinach in your brownies. You know how yes. people uh, do that? I am yeah. always And also, that. I've never had a brownie without spinach in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every treat of mine is, like, protein. <laughs> Brownie with kale. It's just spinach. It's, but it's so bad, but it's in the shape of a square. Oh my I god! Will buy, that is true. I will buy anything that is like in the shape of a square, covered yeah. in plastic wrap, covered in tight plastic wrap. Tells you what it, it's a Rice Krispie treat. It's Fine, brown. You're like, yeah. okay. 
Oh my god! And I ate a Dunkin' Donuts muffin on the train this morning. So wow, same. Well, it was really I'm, gross. That's no, no, no! Amazing. Don't worry. Believe oh me, god. we're Dunkin' fans. We're both from yeah. the East Coast. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I was in the New Haven train station. It's the Sbarro or Dunkin' Donuts, and I was starving. I love that Dunkin'. I love that Dunkin'. Yeah. Slightly yeah, limited. Yeah, the we're, all, we're all East Coast then. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm from outside of Boston, so also yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Where are you guys from? Where are you both from? That is what this might explain why this brought us all here today. Um, (laughs) We're uh, I'm from Lincoln, which is near Lexington Concord area, and I'm from Seekonk, which is near like Rhode Island. Yes, of course. Yeah, I'm from Holliston, so like near where the marathon starts. Uh, Like that's the best thing you do. It's a tiny town. (laughs) Yes, that's so funny because I'm from like far northeastern Connecticut, and I'm like an hour and. That counts. 20 minutes from you guys. Like, we all grew up in the same little pocket. That's get very out. strange. That's unusual. Get out. How dare you? <laughs> Sorry. How dare you not? How dare oh you eat Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> you, you put that Dunkin' muffin down. <laughs> Just a huge muffin, a large iced coffee. I was feeling good. <laughs> no, Connecticut and Massachusetts are the same, I think. Definitely. We yeah. can all agree. Yeah, we look at the yeah. society. We're yeah. all the same. Yeah. yeah. Deep Dunkin' Donuts country. Mm-hmm. I saw Dunkin' Donuts in L.A. May and I just moved to L.A. recently, and I saw uh, Dunkin' Donuts today, and I almost, oh, it, it felt very nice. Oh, it's so comforting. Yeah, wait. Terrible coffee, Where are but they? a wonderful experience. That's what I realized. Like, lots of chains and stuff, people knock them, but I'm like, I think there's something very comforting to knowing that no matter where you are in the world, if you go into a Dunkin' Donuts, it will taste the exact, exact same. same. You know, or if you go into, like, a Subway, it will hit, the smell will assault you. <laughs> yes, and it looks the same. I yes. feel like, so when I was, yeah, like, when I, I went to Mexico, and I, I would always go to Dunkin', to McDonald's. I don't even like McDonald's, but I was in Mexico, and I was, like, I, I, I fell out of place, so it just made me feel comfortable. Totally. Yeah. 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 So I, I like am that. the worst I mean, person in the world. I'm one of those horrible tourists yeah. that people hate that goes to a foreign no, country. No, I've completely done that exact same thing because I'm just like, I just want to eat something that I know. Like, especially when I've been gone for like longer periods of time oh, yeah. and you're like, yeah, everything is delicious in other countries, but I want the disgusting slop I grew up with. Right. It's yes. like mom's home. It's, it's like healthy. home cooking, but, but, but bad. It is. But McDonald's it's the same idea. is like our mom. McDonald's <laughs> raised us. <laughs> my mom's cooking. My mom like is, these. Yeah, my mom's just an arch. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. That's incredible. I would die for those legs. Come on. Little yeah, arch. Little yeah, she looks good. Yeah. <laughs> right. I need to find that Dunkin' Donuts because like, I don't, I haven't found like someplace that reminds me of home and I didn't even go to Dunkin' Donuts that much at home, but yeah. like, I've got to go find it. Yeah, where where was it? I couldn't. I, I was on my way to Burbank, so it's like somewhere on the road. It was a pop up. It was a one time thing. <laughs> a yeah, I think it was, it, was like it, it was a mirage. I'm not sure. Yeah, let's. Uh, <laughs> when she says she saw Dunkin' Donuts, so she I don't had know. water in four yes. days. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, she uh-huh. doesn't get a lot of protein. So <laughs> listen, anything like that. <laughs> Oh my god, LOL. Oh, of course you did. Okay, so we usually like to kind of intro our guests to everyone by asking for a particularly bad first date story. Do you guys have any, like, worst firsts you want to share? Oh my god, they're all so bad. Um, (laughs) I I really can't even, when I, I, I've been on a lot of first dates, um, not to brag, but um, (laughs) I... I think of them in my head, they all kind of blend into one just like bad first date um, with somebody. I feel like if you're not attracted to the person, like right off the bat, oh, yeah, it's a bad that. date. So I would say like, not to be depressing about online dating, but like 100% fail. Um, so that's a lot of bad dates. But Cause it's true. Cause online someone can look so hot. And then the minute you see them in person, you're like, fuck, fuck. That's nope, what that's, it is. Yeah. The energy is different than what you felt online. Exactly. Like you just know you either have like chemistry with somebody or you don't. Yeah. And it's so, it's frustrating that you have to go through the whole like date. I mean, I usually leave after 10 minutes, so I'm just saying it's a bad date. Oh my God, do you? No, I stick it out. Okay. I stick it out. I always stick it out for an hour. I give them an hour. Yeah. That's good. I was just about to ask you your 10 minute exit strategy. Oh, I was like, oh my God. I have lied. I have lied. I've taken a number of fake phone calls, but that's when I was younger. I don't do that anymore. (laughs) Mostly because it's like, I realize people know. They can, they yeah, can yeah. They know. No one's also calling anymore. It's like so antiquated. Yeah. yeah. Hold oh, on, a big call. <laughs> it's like never a big. It's like yeah. you'd get a text. The idea of being like, uh oh, I gotta I, take this. And I don't know how to talk on the phone, so it just comes very out. Hello, I wait too long in between. 
like an yeah. hour later. It's like 9 p.m. Who could it possibly be? You have to fake a death. And then you have to like be acting. It's it's very hard. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah you you're like on an audition and a date at once. Awesome. Yes. Um, yes. That's what it is. But yeah, I mean, the phone call, yeah, doesn't work. But I also like, I hate those dates where you can kind of tell both of you are on the same page. Like, because obviously the premise of this podcast was me going on a ton of dates um. until I finally lucked out and met my boyfriend. Um, and then we didn't have a premise for the podcast anymore. Um, oh my God. But wait. in like, I, so I went on 32 dates like weekly. He was number 32? Or was he like, was he number 32? No, he was number 13. I like held off. Yes, girl. Yes. No, that is good. I was like, the podcast is important and let's see if you can handle me going on first dates. It was, yeah, it was like probably me being like a fuck girl in a way, but like I was really, you knew going into For the podcast. For all women, you know? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Um, So that, that was fun, but I remember all the dates like- that weren't so fun and people I didn't want to be my boyfriend, sometimes you like knew it right away that you both weren't feeling it. And I just, I wish there was like a button you could push. Yes. Where you're both like tap out after 10 minutes. Totally. Because then it's like Such a an hour is great, but an hour is a long time. An hour can turn into like two hours pretty easily too if it just like is slow service. I don't know. Oh, yeah, no, like yeah. the next bus. Now I have a question. Do you remember the next bus? Sorry, what? Yes. Do you guys remember the next bus, that show on MTV? Good show. I loved that show. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's really brutal and really harsh, but I feel like... It's a band-aid. There's Saves something the to that premise where it's just, like, you got a next. Yeah. Yeah. Like... You, yeah. Well, that's God, kind that of... that was so savage. Some people would just walk off the bus and they'd just immediately be like, next. That was awful. That was horrible. I mean, I bet a lot but of those people are, are scarred. Like, yeah. just... I totally. Would never recover from uh, I would never And everyone recover. on that show ever was hot. No, right. Like... Yeah. like they were next and they were just like, she has a tattoo. I don't like tattoos. Yeah, it's like, how like, dare you? You haven't, yeah. you haven't been on a date in seven years. Yeah. <laughs> now I have, a, I have a question. I've yeah. heard this happening. I have a boyfriend. I've had a boyfriend for about four years. So it's been a while for me. I hear people are like sending Venmo requests after bad dates. Is that a thing? Like if a guy will pay and then the woman won't want to keep going out with him, he'll like Venmo request her. Has that ever happened? To you guys? I, I, apparently it has, but not to me. God. My God. jaw is on the floor. That's yeah. really bad. Isn't that awful? Wait. I, a girl posted about it. She like posted the screenshot where the guy, oh, isn't that hell? Well, did she pay it or did she decline it? Okay. She paid it and she gave five extra and she was like, here, like you clearly needed or something. Okay. <laughs> okay. I hate playing devil's advocate. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> but it's okay if I say I hate doing it. Um... <laughs> Uh, Trump is. Yeah, yeah. Immigration is really ruining America. I'm with her. Um, Any her, really? Oh <laughs> no, we're a very we're we're with her. We're, I, you feel free to share all your opinions. We've already got haters. Yeah. Okay. Where I can tell right away. You said you're a dog person, and I was like, if they love dogs, they can't love they Trump. Can't love Trump, right? That's yeah. Like we're from the Northeast. How could you? Yeah. yeah. You know. The, that's also usually a selling point. And you yeah. live in New York. It's all, you have a podcast, all of these things. Yeah. And especially like, I feel like on this podcast, we often talk about like the different ways in which men suck and it's hard not to talk about. Yeah. He's like the token child. He's their their leader. leader. Yeah, totally. And it's like, I feel like we also try to talk a lot about the way that like men are getting, I think so much better. Like there's so much growth in like so many men and like we're we're doing such a better job like teaching men and raising men and being and like just like telling men to see us as humans which also then plays into politics like we talk about it a lot (laughs) no it's true it's true and that's a good way that it is good to look at that side of it yeah yeah only because like my life is filled with really like wonderful men you know it's like yeah there's a lot of really shitty ones too but it's like i feel like it's agree yeah it's hard to say that out now though too because you don't want to like derail the convo but it's oh totally you know but it's like you're right and and a lot of men are also atoning for them themselves which is something that is appreciated because we're gonna have to figure out how to have a conversation about like rape and assault from that includes people who have assaulted like we can't just be like every guy who's ever assaulted a woman needs to shut up and never speak again like we need to figure out some some healing rehabilitation process for yeah exactly totally and even just teaching and instructing men who like might not be at that level where they've committed like physical or sexual violence against a woman but might just like do smaller like have smaller aggressive tendencies like 
you know, not listening to women or like doing the like, well, actually thing, like the constant kind of like slight corrections or like dismissive, like those things like that, that can be really internalized, like are fixable. Like I've seen men in my life make progress on them when I try to have meaningful conversations with them about it. I think you're right that like we all feel lifted on the backs of strong women. So like we don't feel crazy for asking for more now because it's like, no, I don't feel like I do deserve this. And I'm going to say that I want this or need this because like so many women are speaking out and being so brave. It doesn't feel out of out of line whereas like maybe five years ago I wouldn't have been I would have just been like well I guess this is just what it is totally or like you know I I feel like I've been even in the last couple years so much more emboldened to say like in a conversation that I'm like having you know disagreements with a man about like feminism or like women's roles in the world or whatever I can say like well it's difficult to have this conversation because I don't necessarily feel like you're actually listening or like wanting to here internalized, you know, and like, like shit like that, that I never would have said. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it doesn't. Totally. <laughs> you know, or like when someone interrupts me being like, oh, like, well, you interrupted me so I didn't get to make my point. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm always drunk when I'm having these conversations and so I'm definitely know, more kind of bold. exciting to just get older, isn't it? Maybe like, I don't know how much of it is yeah. getting older to and being like, no, like I'm yeah. not like, I'm not. Yeah. It's yeah. true. When you're young, you're kind of like, oh, whatever it takes to make the boy like me. And now I'm older. I'm like, totally. Fuck like, fuck you. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And just like, as you get older, I think you're so much like more, I don't know, things that I, I just used to question my own point of view all the time. And I still try to, <laughs> but I definitely am getting more kind of like, of more firmly, like confidently talking about the things that I really feel to be true, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, totally. With less shame and like, I just used to feel a lot of shame about having opinions mm. or being like a strong woman yeah. because I felt like that was not attractive to men. Yes, and, Ugh. and it yeah, it's not attractive to a lot of men. But those are not turns men. Turns out, turns out, I was right. And but I have my friend Tilly. <laughs> but I have a dog. <laughs> Dogs can't escape. So she literally looks hostile, held hostage right now. Very happy, as you can see from her expression. <laughs> we just had a guest on. <laughs> We just had a guest on who wrote a book called The Love Gap. Her name's Jenna Birch, and she and her book is about how most like modern men who are like of our generation, um, like on paper, will say they want a woman who's like strong, independent, like has a great career, is really well educated. But a lot of those women are the women who have a, the hardest time finding like uh, really committed partners if that's what they're looking for. And so she wrote this book called The Love Gap about that very problem. And it's like super interesting. And I'm just shouting it out again. Great. Yeah. Because I really think that that's true because it's like, yes, especially as we get older and it puts a burden on us too, because it's like, there's, I feel this in a big way. Cause it's like, if we want to have, if we want to be strong women with careers and our man is also someone who wants to be a strong man with a career, like, there's stress there because it's like, well, who's going to be like, if you're, if we're both feeling at, I know my boyfriend and I are both like, yeah, we both do comedy and we both work really hard. And so it's not like one of us is ever, yeah, it, it's hard. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. Cause there's not a, and you don't have a model necessarily to go on right. as much because like a lot of us grew up with parents who set, who set a certain precedent totally. about how things work and the mom, you know, someone needs to be in the house all day to do this stuff and someone needs to make the money. So like we, if a lot of people see that as the model and don't know right, how to exactly. make something else work. Totally. And then even like I grew up with like a super career oriented mom and so did my boyfriend. But even in those situations where we like we did have those models of like super strong, really like successful, passionate, intense women raising us, we still have moments like that where I'm like, I ain't sacrificing shit. And he's like, no, like we just both need to be sacrificing at the same level. That's a good point. But yeah, but it's like, yeah, that's exactly. But even then, I'm still like, I'm not changing anything ever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If I'm carrying a baby in my body, you're doing everything else. Yeah. Yeah. But it's tough because like we're having to renegotiate a lot of these like power imbalances, which means men are going to have to feel a loss in every area of their lives. And a lot of. And this is why it's always, we always say white men, when we generalize about men, it's because this is a different experience for a lot of white men in America of not, of having to sacrifice things and having to like give up. And that's why we're seeing such a strong backlash online, especially from white men specifically against women 
getting more power and more opportunities and more opportunities. Yeah, because not that there's no sexism in non-white communities, but this is like a very specific, it seems, backlash that comes from men who are like, I don't want to lose the power that I have. Right, we're totally. We're always used to like negotiating the power and being like, okay, well, we can't, we have to like balance. Share, and we're used to making sacrifices. Yeah, we're used to sacrificing everything. Yeah, yeah, and I think men are really used to seeing us at uh, men, white men, especially, are really used to seeing uh, women as uh, like caregivers and care providers because, and supporters yeah, totally. of like, them. We have been like historically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like for basically every man, the warmest, most nurturing for every person, usually not all the time, but usually like that first, like that, that main, like warm, nurturing person who makes you feel like so comforted and safe, whenever is your mother. And then I think men have tendency to not want to relinquish relinquish the view of like women as the kind of custodians of their well being. Yes, yeah, and then it extends to their partners or like other women in their life, women who they work with, who, you know, whatever. And then we carry this like emotional burden of like having to take care of ourselves and of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's tiring. It's a lot. While killing it in our career. This is some drunk feminism, even though I'm totally sober right now. (laughs) Usually like we get into these convos with guests when we, we tend to drink Tito's and sodas a lot when we <laughs> do oh, our podcast but we've done it less since we're in different time zones and it's like afternoon there and it's evening here oh, yeah. but we have an ongoing segment that's a joke we have no segments on this podcast we just talk but it's like a segment air quotes called drunk feminism which usually when I get drunk I start talking about all this stuff yeah but I'd like everyone to know I'm sober well good we've made you drunk with our words <laughs> yeah. and our hate <laughs> yes Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Yeah, but well, I mean, to segue terribly, this is all enough to like really make you feel pretty terrible in lots of different ways. I, I know mean, I'm fired up. News, Go register like, to vote. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just mean even mentally and in terms of our health. <laughs> I'm really trying here, guys. But <laughs> I mean, shit's tough. The world is really tough. Um, how did you both kind of like start or come up with crazy and better? Just like how much were you talking about mental health in your own comedy before? Did that happen first and then the podcast? Like, how was that? And was it scary? Because it seems scary. Even talking about dating is scary for me on the air. Oh, my gosh. Well, where to begin? Well, uh, I think you begin with our friendship. Yes. Alyssa and I met doing stand-up comedy. So I think – are you guys comics? Do you do stand-up comedy? Okay, so it's like um, – I am not. <laughs> oh, you are. Okay, but yeah. so you know, it's it's like you you're kind of used to putting a lot of your personal stuff out there. So I think that's maybe partially yeah. Yeah. where that comfort came from. But it was also something about Alyssa and I connected in a way where we realized that we struggled with a lot of the same demons, and we were able to be open with each other in a way that felt almost like somewhere in between a friendship and the support group. Totally. Yes, that's a great way to put it. And it was just immediate, and we just felt very like immediately connected and like very on the same page and I don't remember not like I remember not being friends and then I remember being like best friends, best friends. and I don't really remember much time in between <laughs> that and so yeah we we bonded through probably our similar point of view and demons like you know we both struggled with eating issues and then I struggled with depression and anxiety and you were coping with the loss of your dad. Yeah. So that's also a really heavy thing that I think kind of forced you to every conversation and connection you were making at that and point I in your life. Every. And I'm in every. <laughs> Barista. Oh, and I'm in every. Strangers on the street. Yes, yes. Um, you were like was filtered through the lens of like grief and grief. pain and, and, and grief yeah. can I think make you more open because in a way and you've said this before like grief makes everybody depressed yeah it's and like, anxious in a way it is it's like a it's a great equalizer it's a great equalizer it's kind of a mental health like uh, trial kit it's like you because it, <laughs> it kind of just gives it to you. it's like a, a JV meant yeah because you 
Uh, it's situational, so there's more reason behind it, which sometimes with depression, it's so heavy because it feels like it's not coming from anywhere, so then you can't like solve it. Whereas with grief, it, it is so pointed to the actual event, but it, it feels very similar. So yeah, I think through that, we just, but May and I were really able to like joke and laugh. May was able to like make me laugh and joke about it a lot. And so we would have long conversations of like joking and darkness, and we were like, we should just start doing a podcast about it. Um, yeah. And so then... Sophie Alkezian is like the most amazing producer in the world and she wanted to do it with us and so she started producing it and... And then she started working at UCB and that was yeah what happened. Um, but yeah. Well, I just appreciate it because you know, Alyssa, you have... I've never seen your live show about your dad, but I lost my mom to cancer in 2017 and like it's just really comforting oh. to see people talking about grief because it's oh such God. a weird thing and like just all anytime... And all mental health. I think it kind of covers the board. Like, it's just, like, also stigmatized. Even something like grief where it's, like, of course people know you're upset if you lose a parent. But, like, I don't know. You can still feel, like, literally crazy at times. Um, and I don't know. So I just really appreciate that. And I think, like, it's just, like, putting it all out there is just so helpful. And, like, I try to get better at that. We talked about it early on in the podcast more. But, like, yeah, I just appreciate that you both are putting it out there. And I just, like, want to remind all of our listeners, too, to, like, yeah. Like, it's not – no one's alone in anything yeah. they're facing. You're not the only person. Totally. I'm so sorry about your loss. And I think it is a big – like, yeah, it's – people know you're sad, but the fog and the cloud of mental illness and grief is so heavy and it 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 permeates through every single thing. And I think that's maybe something that people don't as much understand. So – um, yeah, I think it was scary for us to talk about it at first. I do remember us being really scared when, a, like, when initially everyone knew. Yeah, it's weird. I've like put my mental health issues out on the internet like slowly over time, gradually. Like I, I, you know, I wrote an essay I, when I got sober. I quit drinking, and then I wrote an essay about being an alcoholic, and it was in the Huffington Post. And so like all these people that had never, hadn't heard of me like since middle school or whatever were like, wow, I read your essay about how you're an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was like, I could, I, and I, and it was great. And I was actually really proud of the essay. And so, and like, it brought a lot of good things into my life. So I was just like, I guess being open about mental illness is, something that pays off in a positive way. And it also be, ha, has helped, now everybody comes to me when they have alcohol problems, which is kind of nice. I really like that. It actually is like very refreshing because it's, I know it's a really scary thing to be honest about. And I think grief is probably like that too. When, you get, when you're so open about your grief, Alyssa, I think people feel like they can, they can talk to you or you, you inspire other people to have the courage to talk about. Totally. And then I think the, the, another piece of it that I'm like forgetting cause it's been a while ago, but I do remember like when, when I first yeah, wrote about like having an eating disorder or even talking about grief, like you really relinquish a lot of the power of the eating disorder or the pain or the depression. Mm -hmm. Like there's something really like sickeningly magical about like these, these like just yeah, an eating disorder is a very kind of secretive thing. You hold yourself accountable. Like, yeah. I can't just start drinking again now because I'm, like, the drunk girl from the Huffington Post. Right. Like, no, nobody read that article. But you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> oh, wait, there's people on the street. Get out of here. No. Is that the drunk girl from it's the Huffington Post? It's the alcoholic from, from the Huffington Post. From the Huffington Post. We are totally scared. <laughs> with our riffs. Yeah. Um, anyway. That's show. what I'm going to put in the show notes of this episode, if you're cool with that. What did you say? No, I'm just kidding. Kelly's in the show. Um, yeah, I would like her to be in. Yeah, exactly. We're going to make a we, – she needs an Instagram account. She does. We're going to get one for her. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I, yeah, yeah I no, I think there's so much to that. Like, the feeling that, you know, I that basically, like, the, the things inside your head do hold – a certain level of power that is at least shifted substantially when they're moved to outside of your head. Yes. And like, obviously we talk about therapy a lot on this podcast and Kimmy and I have um, both had a lot of like, you know, years of being very into therapy and different ups and downs with like, you know, you know, things that are, that range in levels of seriousness. But I know that like the realization for me that going to therapy and, externalizing things that I was like holding on to because they felt 
so like dark or shameful or whatever that like airing them didn't make them worse it made them if not better right away then at least different like they're importance immediately changed. I remember when I discovered journaling and that was like the first step to like feeling that sense of like, at least if I can at least get these thoughts like out of my head or at least get them also somewhere else, it'll free me for, I remember if I could journal for like two hours, it would free me for a couple days. And then it was just like a dump. And then eventually that- Oh my became, God. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Gemini's love journaling. Sorry, I had to spot in to say- I don't remember if this is before we started recording, but Alyssa and I are both Gemini's and Gemini's love to fucking journal. We love to journal because we have too many thoughts and it's, it's they <laughs> yeah. can, they and can... we have to organize them. We have to like get a hold of them. Exactly. Yeah. And then that just became therapy and then that became like talking about it out loud. But yeah, totally. like, I, this is so cute. Right. I can't handle this dog. Well, the dogs helped your anxiety, would you say? Oh, for sure. For sure. Emotional support animals are, that is a real thing that a lot of people take advantage of, P.S., but that is a real thing. Yeah. Just having... Yeah, it's really wild how much harder it is to, like, like, the soothing quality of just holding a small living creature. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's so yeah. real. I mean, it really does, like, it, it, it it's like it, it soothes me in a very deep way. That I always was totally. like, oh man, I guess I gotta have kids because like I will only be happy like. It, but it's like then you hold your dog and you're like, oh no, I just needed like a warm living thing. Living thing. Yeah, it's fully. Yeah, I just spent a week with my sister who just had a baby. Like the baby's two weeks old, and I spent. A, I just got home. Like that was where I was coming from on the train. I just got home today, and I literally like I had this moment when I was journaling at home, full circle. Um, <laughs> that like. I was writing and I was like, this is the calmest and happiest I've felt in like actual years. And it is a because I love my sister and I love my niece and all of that. But I'm not like a baby person. I'm not dying to have kids. It's not like ever been something in my head. And it, that like being around them didn't necessarily change that. But it's like the there's just something so visceral about it, about like. And a really, like, innocent, simple creature who feels no anxiety and just wants to, like, be close to you. Yes. And you take, and you're taking care of it. There's something so nice that you're, like, taking care of it. Yeah, it it's very pure. Feel, not only do I feel comforted, but I feel like I have a purpose on this earth, which is to, like, care for this creature that I love. And as somebody who, like, struggles with mental health, it's hard for me to take care of myself. Like, self-care is such an issue for me. Yeah, it's very complicated. Or self-care, it's yeah. It's complicated. I'm too cheap to spend money on myself. I can't buy organic, you know. I'm, like, but then with a dog or with, you know, it's, like, I suddenly realize how important it is to, like, care for the dog. So the dog eats totally. better than I do. Totally. And, like, I do not talk about this a lot, and I have probably alluded to having some issues with depression in my past on this podcast, but I haven't talked talked about it really extensively. But like I had one period of depression where it was like three months and I kind of like basically was in bed for three months. Like I, it was really like bad and hard and like caused by nothing, like, which yeah, is very like confusing. Like <laughs> um, yeah. Like it's just, you're like, Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and having a dog during that period was like, I was literally like, I have to get out of bed three times a day. Yes. And it's like, it was really yeah. simple, but it really was powerful. And it was someone depend, like someone, it's a dog, but just like her depending on me. It's um, better that it's And, a dog, you know, though. like that can mean a lot, like oh, in combination yeah. with therapy and medication, if it's right for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Full like, lobotomy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just have someone smack you like an old VCR a couple times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but I into like I, your... Oh. I think that that's, that's huge. I think for true. depression, so, like, pe it, small is, like, the key to getting out of depression. I think little tiny things. And so, like, having just knowing, okay, three times a day I have to take this dog out, that's something. And then you build on top of that. Mm -hmm. I was really – one of my times where I was really depressed, I moved into a place with two dogs. And I remember that same feeling of, like, there's more living creatures in here. It takes me out of myself a little bit. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Or, like – for those of us who don't have dogs that are sad about oh. it, or like in my times of darkness, like it's even just like getting yourself to into the shower sometimes, like just the littlest thing sometimes, yes. or like having that roommate, like because it's just so easy to mm -hmm. spot, like to stay within the spiral. Totally, and yeah, and reaching like, out to another person, I feel, is huge. Even if you're just texting a friend, yeah. Like, if that's another thing I think why our friendship is so important for my mental health is that, like, 
I sometimes just need to externalize my feelings to somebody that is going to be non-judgmental and just understand and empathize and not freak out about it. Totally. And if I'm in a really dark place, I can just like externalize that or say it to, or if I'm like, you know, I'm in recovery from eating disorder. So if I'm like thinking, feeling triggered or something, I can just tell Alyssa. And even if you, right, just telling each other, there's some, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it yeah. works. It's like, you it know, you're you. holding it, it frees you. It's like, even if I'm in this state we're for a couple together. days longer, we're in the state, yeah. Yeah. I'm dragging you down. <laughs> like, yeah, you, I'm in the water, you're in the canoe. So join me in the water. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And but I it's so powerful to have friends too, who I think are like, <laughs> you're coming <laughs> neither way. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Um, I think it's so powerful to have friends too who understand that like you don't need to try they don't need to try to fix everything. Yes. Yes. Like obviously there are moments when you want fixers. You know, I have definitely have friends I call when I'm like, I need someone to come and just clean some shit up for me, like yes. yeah. figuratively or sometimes literally. Yeah. And Ooh, I have friends, friends yeah. who I call. Literally. I have a friend who every time I need to clean out my closet, I'm like, come over and be mean to me that I have to throw things away. Um, but I think it's really powerful to have friends who like kind of intuitively understand what you're going through and understand that like, you're not necessarily looking for a fix. You're not looking for like, um, prescriptive advice. You just like need an ear, you need empathy, you need like recognition that what you're feeling is really powerful and like, it's not in that other people feel it or whatever, you know, whatever you're looking for by sharing. A lot of times, like, Parents are the people you're used to going to, but parents are almost always like, I feel fixers because they get scared and they're just like, oh no, they're depressed. I need to go fix this or I need to go. And you don't, yeah, you don't really want that. So it's like helpful to have friends who are just going to be able to be like, you're not crazy. You're feeling this. It's totally valid. It sucks. It will pass. Hang in there. Let me know if I need anything. Kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like take the stigma away. Like, especially with eating disorders, it's wild. I feel like I know so many more female friends than like admit to having eating disorders, like openly. I don't know. I feel like there's still a huge stigma around that. Yeah, totally. I've dealt with some bulimia. Liza, I remember when you and I first talked about this, we can cut this out. I want to blow our stuff out there. Like it was really nice because it just felt so separate than other friend groups to be like, oh, okay. Like I can talk to you about this because there's no stigma because we both felt it. Yes. Whereas like with a fix, I don't know. It's just really tricky. So I just like Again, back to like the keep talking, keep being open about this stuff. It's like so comforting. Even just having you both on, I'm like, okay, I can share some things, you know. Um, which yeah. I we, should be doing anyway because we have a podcast, so I should be always vulnerable. No, it's but I'm, hard. I'm not. It's really hard. And <laughs> we need to forgive ourselves too when, when, like, we need to be forgiving of ourselves when we don't talk about stuff because, like, there's things that I don't talk about too. You know, there's like things that, Me too. some things that are hard. Totally. Yeah, I still and you have there's to be also ready a time and a place and like yeah, the right time. people for that and the right. Sometimes it's like I literally feel like usually my journal is like my first step. You know, sometimes it's like baby steps. Yeah, journaling is a good – it's like a good way to get that first feeling out. And then you can decide whether to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So It's funny to like force this in the direction of dating. I remember when we started the podcast like a year ago, I was having this weird thing where I just wanted to tell everyone about my mom, not like in a dramatic way, but like – when people ask about family, there were just so many weird wordings that I wasn't used to. And I kind of had a couple dates that I went on where it like came up on a first date, which I know is a lot. And I would like feel really anxious about it. Again, that's probably some like male people pleasing stuff. But I don't know. I think there's like, of course, you don't have to like bring these things up on a first date. Probably shouldn't. But it's just really hard when these things are no matter what type of like mental health issue or substance abuse issue or whatever you're facing, like it inevitably impacts dating. I don't know if Marilissa, either of you can like speak to that, even if not from your own experience, just. (laughs) Oh no, totally. Yeah. I definitely have, um, feel like I am in a position of going out on dates with guys who like want to know right away why I don't drink. So that's always, that's always kind of putting my shit out there right away. Um, and I'm super open about like alcohol being, have, being an alcoholic and talk about like drinking all the time in comedy, um, and online, but there's something about a first date where it's like, uh, I don't know, man, do I need <laughs> you to know that I used to like, you know, like wake up in my own puke? <laughs> like why, yeah. why does that have to be our, so sometimes I will kind of hold back on like mental health stuff on a first date just cause it, it's, 
it's scary in that context. And you don't necessarily want it to like feel like it's ident- like defining you or yeah. whatever. And so if yes. Yeah. So I'll just be like, I'm not drinking tonight or something. I'll like change the subject and totally. Because yeah, I think that this has come up with a lot of people on on we've talked to about different first dates or whatever that they're if there's something that tends to like be outlying about you that gets noticed early, like I'll bring up an example that is not of the same scale or importance, but like I have a um, nut allergy and I always have to mention it to everyone. And then I know that on every date I ever went on, there was going to be at least a 15 minute conversation about allergies and EpiPens and how have I used them and how many times and what happens when I have them. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about this. It's not sexy. It's like not what I just, I don't want to talk about it every time. And I think obviously, again, this is a much more personal, bigger and like more, more like, you know, yeah, vulnerable conversation to have. But it's, I, I imagine it's the same thing where you're like, I don't want this to be part of every goddamn date. <laughs> like, I know, yes. Like, I know how this goes. I know what the next questions are. Yeah, I don't want... But then I will say the the flip side of it is, like, I don't think I was in any real relationships until I actually started being honest with, like, both myself and my, and my the, like, my partner about, like... Because for so long, I'd be like, I'm not hungry, or I just ate, or I... Like, oh, the secretiveness of food was, like, really... I don't know, because it... So once I started just being open about it I feel like that's when I really started having real relationships yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it does help it's interesting eating disorders are also complicated with dates yeah yeah and may just to go back for any and even well I guess I'm not going on dates anymore but like is would you have rather like a date not ask you why you weren't drinking like what's the what would be the ideal way for like a listener who's on a date who does drink maybe and then like their or, date or is it drink. fine um I feel like most dates should not I feel like people shouldn't rely so heavily on alcohol on dates it's like that just as something um in general it's like okay you want to sit in a bar like there's so many other activities we could do um just take a walk I think people should just walk on dates me too this is my own thing because I love that it's way more comfortable it's like bars even when I drink alcohol this is our eating disorder yes (laughs) yes Yes, I love that (laughs) why aren't we why aren't we walking right now let's always we should always yes Um, I like to have my dates meet me at the gym. <laughs> well, yes. I feel like when you start walking, like I, if I sit down on a date, I'm going to be thinking about how I'm sitting and like what I'm doing. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Like bars are uncomfortable for everyone. And that's why people drink at them because you're just sitting there across from each other with nothing else going on but yeah. alcohol. So of course- It's like they an interview. Want. It's an interview, but also it's like a whole culture of like, well, we need to be drunk so that we can have sex so that we can feel comfortable being ourselves. And like, I know that's a thing. And that's fine. And you can't ask, I can't ask all of society to suddenly be like, oh, we're sober too, you know? Like, yeah, especially now. The world's too dark. We yeah, all, drink, 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 drink. Drink away. I, I, I encourage my partners to drink as much as possible on their dates with me, actually. I'm like, believe me, you're going to need this. it, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> no, you drink. I'll tell you why I don't. Order a double. Yeah, no, it's true. They do. Anyway. No, I, 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 I don't care if people drink around me. I think a, a good thing to do is just, like, if you want to drink, drink. Do whatever makes you comfortable and, like, maybe don't obsess over, like, what the other person is putting in their body, but more ask them other – there's so many other things you can ask about a person. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine a first date? You're just, like – so, which parent felt connected with you more emotionally? Like, yeah. you'd fall in love right away. Yeah. That's a hot tip. That's a hot tip. Guys, men – what about like in more broad terms when you're dating bringing up mental health issues cuz obviously when you're having um stuff when stuff's going on with your mental health it's really top of mind it kind of takes over like so many aspects of your life but it can also be like tricky to like open that up to a someone who you're newly seeing do you guys have like feels or thoughts on like when and where and how it might be like comfortable or the right time to talk to someone you're dating about that stuff? I guess my short answer is I think sometimes it's whatever feels right for you and whatever you're looking for or ready for. And for me, it's just been a, my, like the more comfortable I've become with my mental health, the more I've talked about it. Like, I don't think I could have talked about it the way I talk about it now in relationships five years ago, whereas now I'm more comfortable with it, so it is. Um, 
I'm more naturally going to talk about it. But also I've been with my boyfriend for, you know, three and a half or four years. And so at this point, it's kind of, we each tell each other everything. So it's pretty all out there on the table. And I think it probably with him, honestly, has been from the beginning. And that's probably strengthened our, made it, you know, why we've been able to be together for so long. For me, I would say, uh, I, I think, I guess it just the same thing as what Alyssa said that like it, it, I'm lucky, I'm fortunate to be so comfortable talking about it. So I think it really just, it's like whenever you're comfortable, but it does, um, come up early, has come up pretty early in all of my relationships. Um, because yeah, it just, it does. It's like a big part of my life. And I do think that it helps, it helps me be more myself, more honest with who I am in a relationship. And then I can just, I'm just more comfortable and they're more comfortable. So I think it does help strengthen relationships. Just if you don't feel comfortable talking about it with your partner, then I think, yeah, it's don't feel bad about it. That's okay. It just means you're not ready yet. And maybe it is time to journal or like start seeing a therapist or hang out with a friend. Like I definitely think may our friendship has helped greatly, like even in our romantic relationships because then we, we've gotten so comfortable talking about it that we're more comfortable talking with someone else. So yeah. don't beat yourself up if you're not that open with your partner at first. Yeah, you can practice telling your friends. Yeah. Totally. That's awesome. I love that. Um. All right. Well, we should probably let you guys go. Uh, Thank you so, so much for doing this and, you know, dealing with, you know, this like four-way call essentially. No, thank you so much. And thank you for letting me jump in. And it was really fun. Oh, yeah, we loved this. Thanks for having us. You guys are so great. Totally. And yeah, let our listeners know like where they can find you, your social needs, all that. Um, You can follow me, Mae Wilkerson, on Twitter at ShutUpMay or on Instagram at Mae Wilkerson or Facebook Mae Wilkerson. And you can follow me, Alyssa Lynn Paris, at Alyssa Limp, A-L-Y-S-S-A-L-I-M-P, on Instagram and Twitter. And on that, you can see us give updates on our podcast, Crazy in Bed, and on our live show that we're going to be doing, Stand Up on Mental Health. So we'll keep you posted on that. Oh, my God. Amazing. What's the next date of your live show? We don't, ha- we don't have it yet because we just moved to L.A., so we're still kind of figuring out our <laughs> new lay of the land. So, Yeah. It's sure, we'll give you a couple weeks. Yes, perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I want to come. If it's going to be in L.A., then I want to come. I can, like, get a little crew to come. Yeah. Oh, we would love that. We'd love to meet you that in person. That would be so fun. Yeah, no, I, I will definitely come, and I'll bring I'll bring friends if, you, if you'd like me to. We <laughs> would love you, too. Oh, we would love that. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. This was so great. And, yeah. Thank you, guys. You guys are so wonderful. By saying, telling them to go on a date. So, you know, go on a date if you're in the mood for it. Or if you want to stay home in bed, that's fine, too. Yes. Go on a phone date with your friends. Yes, go on a phone date. I love that. (laughs) Okay. Bye, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much. much. We'll be in touch. Yay. Okay, talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Big shout out to Anthony from Five Ohm for making us sound really good in post. And you should check Five Ohm out online at fiveohm.com. And that's spelled F I V E O H M. Ohm.